Hello and welcome to Law Pod. My name is Peter and today I am joined by the Law School Student Skills Assistants for our Review of the Year podcast. It's been a wonderful two years for the Law School Student Skills Assistants where this year especially we've seen a reduction in student dropouts and academic offences. It was lovely to have this work recognised at the recent AHSS Digital Teaching and Learning Awards where we won the team category. The format of this podcast is a roundtable with the five student skills assistants from the law school where we'll be offering our top tip based on our work with the students this year. So without further ado, Gary, we're going to start with you. What is your top tip for the students from your work this year? Thanks, Peter. So what I'd like to talk about today is sort of the mindset that we get into or the mentality that we have when we're approaching assignment season. And I know very much so that I was guilty of this during my undergraduate degree. All your assignments are due around the same time and you sort of, you maybe leave it for a week or two and then you find that all your assignments, maybe three or four assignments are all due within a sort of a two week period. And this really isn't a recipe for producing academic work to the best of your ability. And so what we have to try and work out is how do we produce our assignments, get the grades that we want, whilst also giving ourselves time to socialize, time to see our friends, and time to do the assignment adequately. So there's a really easy answer to this, and this is just to manage our time more efficiently. Things like adopting Outlook onto your phone, using your emails and your calendar more constructively and more efficiently will really, really help. Like whenever you first go into the job market, if you don't manage your time efficiently and produce work to the adequate standard, your boss is gonna call you out on it. So the whole purpose of uni is to almost prepare us for this working world in future life. So when we finally build up the motivation to sit down and actually write our essay, it can seem like quite a daunting task. And the really easy way to get around this and not to be overwhelmed by the the thought of approaching assignments is to break it down into a series of smaller tasks. So the first thing I like to do is to understand what the essay question or the assignment question is and what really it is asking us. The next thing I like to do is to compile all my reading material and I do this by looking at the module guide, the recommended readings, the required readings, and compiling a list. And I also like to set up a folder online and download all the relevant journal articles that I have to this. This sort of just makes it easier for me to get together all in one place, all the research material that I need. The next stage is to then just to begin the research and sift through what reading material is relevant and what is not. And while you're reading, what you'll find is that you start to answer the question subconsciously almost in your head. I'm also a really big advocate of reference management software, which just makes writing your essays a lot easier. Now, I realised there was a lot there, but my key takeaway from today is to just try and take as much of the stress out of essay writing as possible by giving yourself ample time to prepare, to plan, to write, and then to rewrite without the pressure of knowing it all has to be handed in by Friday at 12pm. And I promise you'll be glad you did. The old saying, you get out what you put in, can be taken quite literally when it comes to assignment season. That's great, Gary. Thank you. And now moving on, Sarah Jane, what has been your top tip for the year? Thanks, Peter. The thing I really want to speak about today is the idea that students should have confidence and originality in their writing. When we first started in the student skills assistant role this year, a lot of the queries we initially had, particularly from first years, but sometimes from students further into their degrees, was how can I come to an opinion? How can you know I prove that what I have to say is relevant? That was particularly the case with things like case notes where students were asked to disagree or challenge a judge's opinion. And a lot of students were really faced by this and thought, how can I, who've barely started studying law, disagree with a Supreme Court judge? What I really want to say to students is 
to make sure and realize that if they have put the work in and they've read and researched everything thoroughly and accurately, they're absolutely entitled to come to an opinion as long as they can substantiate it. We did a lot of feedback workshops this year and one thing that the students were really interested to hear about was the conceptual equivalence scale. We broke that down in detail and looked at how the marking and assessment criteria expect students to mature throughout their degree. And you can see, you know, in second and third year, the idea of originality coming up again and again, encouraging students not to overly rely on their module work and the kind of reading list that the lecturers provide them, but to go further, pique their curiosity, maybe use a variety of different sources and really relate to how the law operates in context, whether that's looking out for documentaries or reading the newspapers or listening to podcasts and things, but just to show that they can think about the law in a kind of 3D context, I think, is really worthwhile. I'm sure you'd agree a lot of the queries we had this year was around critical analysis. I think that came really from sort of first semester feedback in that students were told that they maybe weren't using sufficient sources, not engaging with journal articles, or maybe not employing sources that were necessarily academic. Critical analysis became this kind of buzzword and topic that students were fixated on but maybe didn't really understand fulsomely. So what I'd say to those students is if they do need help finding sources, absolutely first mission is to approach your subject librarian, look out for uh, library training courses, even Westlaw training courses. And once they're securing the knowledge that they can find those sources, have a bit of fun with them, engage with them. You know, don't think that you have to agree with what a particular academic says just because they're of whatever standing. If you can find something that maybe has happened since that article was written and displaces what that academic said, feel free to engage with that. Come to us if you have any questions about that. But basically just to to feel confident that their voice is relevant. This is a degree that has a lot of critical thought, thinking about everything in context and showing that you can stand on your own two feet and substantiate your opinions. So I'd really encourage them to just give it a go. And I think that's where the enjoyment in the degree actually really comes from. Thanks, Sarah Jane. That's great. And I would definitely re-emphasize a lot of those points made. As someone who got their dissertation idea off Twitter, there's really no substitute for getting out of the uh, module reading list and exploring a variety of sources. Okay, moving on. Ogaku, what has been your top tip from the year? Thank you, Peter. So my top tip is utilizing academic sources available at Queen's. So it's not odd for you to encounter difficulties as you go through your academic journey, but how you handle these times matter. So the university has a number of support services available to students, like the Student Skills Assistant. We organize workshops. We have one event that you can attend. And we are there generally to help you as you go through your academic journey. Don't feel like you have to go through this alone. The library has a number of support services that you can utilize. So you can go there to learn how to reference learn how to find sources for your academic work. The school also has the SU advice where you can be signposted to academic support that you may need. And luckily with Queen's, the faculty and staff are very supportive. And so you can reach out to your lecturers at their office hours to support you or help you with whatever academic challenge you may be having. So don't hesitate to utilize academic support available at Queen's. Thanks, Agaku. And Definitely a great point to be made there that there is so much support available. You just need the willingness to go and look for it. Okay, Aoife, your top tip for the year. Thanks, Peter. So yeah, my top tip for the year is a bit more looking at what the mentality and approach to learning and writing essays and all the great tips that have been discussed previously. 
So a lot of times when students come in looking for help from the student skills assistance or attend a workshop, I think they have this perception that as soon as you understand critical analysis or as soon as you understand how to reference, that's like a binary, that as soon as you get it, you get it. And then there is no more learning to be done. And then that's what it is. You can't go back. There's no, it's not sort of like a, a scale of learning, right? So my top tip would be when approaching your learning throughout your undergraduate degree is actually to be comfortable with making mistakes and then also then looking for help. Throughout my studies this year as a master's student, I've had to definitely step back and realise when I've had to sort of come to terms with my mistakes or look for help. And I definitely, as Agaku was saying, like look for help from different sources within Queen's. And I think that that was something that really benefited me was being able to say that, okay, maybe I didn't do as well in one of my essays this year or one of my essays for one of my modules. Who can I go to the help and what can I take away from this and put into the rest of my learning for the rest of my degree? And a lot of times students come in and they say, well, I'm just not going to get it or I just don't get it. How can I continue to go on further in my undergraduate degree when I don't understand how to critically read? But it's all a skill. It's all about being able to approach certain people within the faculty who are there to help you, who want to help students do the best that they can. And again, with the student skills assistance, I think all of us can say that we've loved our jobs this year and love being able to help students, but that even we would find in our own studies that we also need to help. And I mean, you can't do your PhD without a supervisor. They're there to help. Yeah, that would be my top tip for any students coming in or any students progressing further in their degree is to be okay with making mistakes and that it's not a binary. You don't just learn how to do something and that's it. It's always a scale of being able to learn more and being able to push yourself to do a little bit better. Excellent. Thanks. And very complimentary advice, I think, with some of the other tips that we've heard. Okay, last but not least, here is my top tip for the year. And what I'm going to talk about is, I think, probably one of the more daunting aspects, certainly for a first year law student, which is that law specific assessment of problem questions, which I think we would all agree as student skills assistants, we get a lot of questions on just because it's a unique assessment. It's probably not something that a lot of students would have seen before. So I've just got five little aspects of problem questions that I want to discuss. So the first thing is, and this kind of complements Sarah Jane's point where we were talking about finding your own voice in your writing. You have to remember who you are when you're writing a problem question. As weird as that sounds, you are effectively a solicitor who is offering advice to a fictional client. And so I think straight off the bat, one thing that can really help students when they're writing problem questions is to just keep in mind that is who you're supposed to be. I think that helps a lot when you maybe want to talk about academic aspects of a topic of law or Words that affect me, things that I think are superfluous to the actual question. You just need to keep reminding yourself, what would this fictional character want? They would want legal advice. They want it succinct. They want to know the exact legal principles and facts that pertain to their situation. Second point, and again, I think this is just super important, is that what you leave out is as important as what you include. So again, we encounter a problem question with perhaps some complicated aspects of law, and we think, well, I've now taken the time to understand this difficult concept. I want to demonstrate that. But if the fictional scenario doesn't ask for that, then unfortunately you are going to be counterproductive if you include it. So what you have to do is you have to have faith that the person marking this essay also understands that complicated concept. So they will 100% appreciate if you're going to leave it out because you know it's not relevant. So there's that demonstration that, yes, I understand this, but I also further understand that it isn't relevant. And again, I think that links to the first point. Make sure 
that what you're doing is just strictly relevant to the scenario you're presented with. The third point is the structure, which again, we would talk about a lot in the workshops, the IRAC structure, which is issue, rule, application, conclusion. We tended as a group this year to mention that it should be done as a series of kind of mini IRACs, if that makes sense, where you would take a certain issue, talk about the law or the rule, as it is in the acronym, apply that law to whatever the issue is, and then conclude based on the facts what you think the outcome will be. There is obviously the other form or the train of thought where you can do all the issues, all the rules, all the application and all the conclusion, and there's certainly nothing overtly wrong with that, but we would say it's better organized if you do the kind of the mini series. Linked to that, my fourth issue was sub-issues, which I think is something that gets mentioned a lot, but we just wanted to be really clear what that should mean. So I'm gonna illustrate with a quick example. If you are presented with a fictional scenario where it says John stole from Jane, or words to that effect, then the issue there is going to be theft, for example. The sub-issue would be when you look at the law of theft, what are the different elements that must be fulfilled in order for that law to have been effectively invoked. So I just wanted to really make that distinction clear because sometimes I feel like sub-issues this year was a concept people didn't have overly a tight grasp of. And my final point, and this would link to something Gary was saying, was that there is no substitute for sitting with the material. It is one of those things, and we know it's a common trope with students that we leave things to the last minute. It's understandable, but really with a problem question especially, there is no substitute for sitting as long as you can, reading over and over the scenario, and you will be amazed at the extent to which your understanding can then increase. So those are my five top tips based on problem questions. That wraps up our Top Tips podcast, our review of the year, and thank you for listening.